1: Hey, ladies and gentlemen,
2: welcome to Think It Ain't
0: Illegal
2: Yeah. I'm your host,
1: St. Clinton. On this show,
2: we'll be playing some poetry, spoken word. And other things about political and social issues going on around the world, both past, present, and future, which will hopefully make you
3: think. Chilling on my New York steps, watching young women walk by, sensual heat, sensual sweat, my skin begins to fry. Long-legged leotard ladies slink silently past my open door. My body shudders. My mind stutters watching such erotic decor. Girlies walk their dogs past my gaze. My mind becomes a sexual haze. As they stoop to scoop their puppies poop. My face turns red. My head so droops. Gotta gamble and take a chance. Gotta find some sweet romance. Living lonely really sucks. When your best friend's a parrot, you're out of luck. Got eight lovely ladies living on my floor. Feels so good to watch my neighbors run into the store. When you live in New York City, God, who could want for more? I'm a sweet Jewish guy. You ladies gotta give me a try. Numbers written on bathroom walls. My poetry too, something about blue balls. Sitting in a New York deli, knishes and beer to feel my belly. Chewing a hard crunchy kosher pickle. Thinking about my Jewish ladies, so damn fickle. Ask my rabbi for advice. Told me to forget about weddings and rice. Went to a minister. Went to a priest. All I got was a holy feast. Years ago I had a blind date. A Jewish chick with cane and cape. Felt my forehead and my face. Said my mouth was out of place. Got me a nose job. Fixed my chin. Hair replacement from an old kin. Plucked my eyebrows just for kicks. Smeared some coloring on my lips. Seems no matter how hard I try. My face still looks like a fish that died. My belly is bulbous, my ass even bigger. I feel like jello that can only quiver. Guess I'm just a New York nebbish. Ladies say I got an unnatural fetish. But all I want is to get a date. Maybe find my true soulmate. When I reached my puberty, family thought I was a tutti fruity. Told them that I wasn't gay. Maybe I should go the other way. Girls never played dollhouse with me. Never played daddy, despite my pleas. Solitaire and one-eyed jacks. When it came to board games, I never lacked. Stole some kisses from my older sister. Slapped my face, said, no more, mister. Asked my neighbor for a date. Her husband told me to find another mate. Dudes call me a big dumb boner. Say I'm just a mean old Mona. Problem is I'm an effin' loner. But all I really wanna be is a lady's sperm donor. Got a devil in my head. Bastard calls himself Fred. He screams, you better date. I cry, it's too damn late. Got me a virgin tool. Guess I shouldn't play the lady's fool. I need to act a right cool dude if I ever want to see a hot chick nude. Fantasized about cute ladies on the bus. Asking for a date would be no big fuss. Problem is I'm a fat, funny male. Probably get my head slammed against the bus handrail. Put an ad in New York paper. Handsome gent looking for a favor. Went for coffee, went for tea. Girls loved the pie, but they sure didn't love me. Dating service showed my picture to some pretty chick. She said she would rather watch old government flicks. Said I looked like a ugly old boar. Dating service paid me back, said leave, come no more. Guess I could just watch old John Wayne flicks. Boob tubing to forget about getting no chicks. Sci-fi horror, Western and porn. Just lay back and munch till the morn. Maybe if I try to read a book, hide away in my New York nook. Guess I could read some Bible stories. Think about all those Israelite glories. Went to Jamaica to find a good lady met a nice jewish girl named Sadie, pulled my groin doing a limbo rock spent the next week with the kingston dock went on a cruise to do some hustle long dong silver with little muscle captain thought i was really cute first mate chased me in my birthday suit flew to europe to find me a bride russian beauties all run and hide ukrainians poles and british gals not one of them wants to be my pal got no luck with young ladies Looks like I'm living in an earthly Hades. Maybe next life I'll score some skin. With my luck, I'll be wearing fishy fins. Bella babes at my window, charming chickies at my door. When you live in New York City, shit, who could ask for more? Guess I'm too damn old for young chicks. Guess I'm destined for old skin flicks. Guess I'm well past my prime. Guess I'll never have a Valentine. Nursing home nurses will just have to do, or some old biddy with swine flu. Adult diapers sure ain't much fun, unless you're kinky about the runs. Who could help this aging prankster? Send me your daughters. I'm no gangster. I'll treat the ladies really good. We could catch a bus and cruise my hood. As you see, I got no muzzle. Picking up ladies is really a puzzle. Maybe that's why I'm such a shicker. Life's not so painful when you're drinking liquor. I'm a loser and a boozer whose life is shit. When it comes to smoking, Christ, I just can't quit. I roamed the Big Apple looking for change. Now I'm looking for a doctor to cure my mange. Just when you think you're at the bottom of the barrel, God decides you need some more peril. Got hit by a taxi and bitten by a rat. New York fuzz just raided my flat. That's my story. Sad but true, I screwed up Freakazoid, who's really blue. Guess I'll die a virgin dude. Why the hell is life so rude? Got a demon in my head. Calls himself Little Fred. Screams aloud that I should date. I cry at night. It's too late. Too damn late. Too damn late. Too damn late for a New York nebbish.
4: The Tories want power. Tories want control. Theresa May has no heart. Has no soul. They have no feelings. They are not whole. Destroying our very social fabric is their goal, to destroy us, to beat us.
5: The Germans, by a remarkable combination of air bombing and heavily armoured tanks, have broken through the French defences north of the Maginot Line, and strong columns of their armoured vehicles are ravaging the open country, which for the first day or two was without defenders. For myself, I have invincible confidence in the French army and its leaders. Only a very small part of that splendid army has yet been heavily engaged. And only a very small part of France has yet been invaded. There is good evidence to show that practically the whole of the specialized and mechanized forces of the enemy have been already thrown into the battle. And we know that very heavy losses have been inflicted upon them. No officer or man, no brigade or division which grapples at close quarters with the enemy, wherever encountered, can fail to make a worthy contribution to the general result. The armies must cast away the idea of resisting attack behind concrete lines or natural obstacles, and must realize that mastery can only be regained by furious and unrelenting assault. And this spirit must not only animate the high command, but must inspire every fighting man in the air, often at serious odds, often at odds, hitherto thought overwhelming, we have been clawing down three or four to one of our enemies. And the relative balance of the British and German air forces is now considerably more favorable to us than at the beginning of the battle. In cutting down the German bombers, We are fighting our own battle, as well as that of France. My confidence in our ability to fight it out to the finish with the German Air Force has been strengthened by the fierce encounters which have taken place and are taking place. At the same time, our heavy bombers are striking nightly at the taproot of German mechanized power and have already inflicted serious damage upon the oil refineries on which the Nazi effort to dominate the world directly depends. We must expect that as soon as stability is reached on the Western Front, the bulk of that hideous apparatus of aggression which dashed Holland into ruin and slavery in a few days will be turned upon us. I'm sure I speak for all when I say we are ready to face it, to endure it, and to retaliate against it to any extent that the unwritten laws of war permit. There will be many men and many women in this island who when the ordeal comes upon them, and as come it will, will feel comfort and even a pride that they are sharing the perils of our lads at the front, soldiers, sailors and airmen, God bless them and are drawing away for them a part, at least, of the onslaught they have to bear. Is not this the appointed time for all to make the utmost exertions in their power? If the battle is to be won, we must provide our men with ever-increasing quantities of the weapons and ammunition they need. We must have, and have quickly, more aeroplanes, more tanks, more shells, more guns, There is imperious need for these vital munitions. They increase our strength against the powerfully armed enemy. They replace the wastage of the obstinate struggle. And the knowledge that wastage will speedily be replaced enables us to draw more readily upon our reserves and throw them in now that everything counts so much. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. After this battle in France abates its force, there will come the battle for our islands, for all that Britain is and all that Britain means. That will be the struggle. In that supreme emergency, we shall not hesitate to take every step, even the most drastic, to call forth from our people the last ounce and the last inch of effort of which we are capable the interests of property, the hours of labor, are nothing compared to the struggle for life and honor, for right and freedom, to which we have vowed ourselves. I have received from the chiefs of the French Republic, and in particular, from its indomitable Prime Minister, Monsieur Reynaud, the most sacred pledges that whatever happens, they will fight to the end, be it bitter, nor be it glorious, nay, if we fight to the end, it can only be glorious. Having received His Majesty's commission, I have formed an administration of men and women of every party and of almost every point of view. We have differed and quarrelled in the past, but now one bond unites us all, to wage war until victory is won, and never to surrender ourselves with servitude and shame whatever the cost and the agony may be if this is one of the most awe-striking periods in the long history of france and britain it is also beyond doubt the most sublime side by side unaided except by their kith and kin in the great dominions and by the wide empires which rest beneath their shield Side by side, the British and French peoples have advanced to rescue not only Europe, but mankind from the foulest and most soul-destroying tyranny which has ever darkened and stained the pages of history. Behind them, behind us, behind the armies and fleets of Britain and France, gather a group of shattered states and bludgeon great races, the Czechs, the Poles, the Norwegians, the Danes, the Dutch, the Belgians, upon all of whom the long night of barbarism will descend unbroken, even by a star of hope, unless we conquer. as conquer we must.
6: As conquer. I am not my- unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulation, some of you have come fresh from narrow jail cells some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storms of persecution staggered by the winds of police brutality you have been the veterans of created to work with a faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and ghettos our Northern City. Knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not bother in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties of day and tomorrow, I still have a dream. Yeah. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream.
7: they talk about situation of the woman in Afghanistan that it improves a lot. But, but um, right now in most of provinces of Afghanistan women even they do not have human life. Killing a woman that much easier for the warlords like killing a bird. Let me give you a few example of the catastrophic situation of the woman. For example, uh, recently, a 19 years old girl she uh, has been brutally raped by a head of the provincial council in, in Kunar province. Brave uh, local liar wanted to follow this case, but she received death threats from this powerful warlords. in Ghazni uh, province, they has been stoned today. They have been killed by throwing stone to them. Another young Afghan woman in whole uh, province, she has been beaten by lashes. Situation of the woman day by day goes from worse to worse. They are not only women, men and women today, both of them do not have liberation at all, and millions they suffer from injustice, insecurity, corruption, joblessness, poverty. Right now, this is not only military war in Afghanistan, this is war of propaganda as well. Cruelty of her husband who cut the nose and ears of uh, BBI share uh, tell to their people uh, what will happen to the woman if we leave Afghanistan. But it was better if they wrote what's happening to the woman while we are in Afghanistan. War will never uh, help Afghan women. During these nine years of occupation, tens of thousands of innocent civilians has been killed by U.S. and NATO occupation forces. Most of them are innocent women, children and men. Even they use white phosphorus cluster bomb. Democracy never came by military invasion, by support of these misogynist warlords, and also Taliban. By a train bomb, by white phosphorus or cluster bomb. When Obama took office, unfortunately, his first news for my people was more conflict, more war. Because his foreign policy is quite similar, like criminal Bush even worse, because he searched more troops in Afghanistan, which brought more miseries and more uh, uh, disaster in my country. So Obama proved himself um, uh, as a warmonger for my people. To prove this fact, it was during Obama's office that The civilian death toll increased by 24% in the drone attacks in Pakistan, has got many innocent lives too. The outcome of the blind bombardment is the innocent civilians' massacres, violences, destruction, pains, and tragedies. It seems that uh, shedding blood of countless uh, innocent people was not enough in Iraq and Afghanistan that now Obama's administration uh, again used the UN as the umbrella to invade Libya as well under the same familiar false banners of democracy and human rights. And While the US people are suffering as a result of the economic crisis, and living conditions are getting worse, The Pentagon wages another brutal war which will only benefit the U.S. corporate and billionaires to loot their their oil and uh, other riches of Libya. Supporting much more dirty Kazakhs and criminal regimes in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Israel, Saudi Arabia and many other countries of the world. Documents released by Wikileaks prove what uh, we have been saying about war in Afghanistan, expose the treasury policy of the US. They kill innocent people under the name of the Taliban, then through mainstream media shamelessly decrease the number of the civilian deaths and call them insurgents, terrorists. my people will a second and dangerous push. He invited terrorist Taliban to join this puppet corrupt mafia regime of Hamid Karzai. If these two terrorists also come in power, the circle of warlords and drug lords and terrorism will be complete and again innocent people of my, people, my country, especially women, will be the victims. Now Khazadeh's regime full of the warlords, drug lords and criminals. According to the Mines Minister, Afghanistan is sitting on around 3 trillion dollars of mineral deposits but because it's the second most cut ca- country in the world, the income of these mines wouldn't fill the pockets of the government officials and also warlords. And NATO themselves are engaged in this dirty business, which pours hundreds of billions of dollars into the pocket of Western institutions engaged in it. U.S. and NATO tried to fool Afghans and also their own people too by saying that they will start leaving Afghanistan by mid of 2011. But from another hand, the puppet regime of Kaisers is speaking about permanent military base in Afghanistan. We know that they occupied my country because of their own strategic, regional and economic interests and they will not leave Afghanistan soon. They keep the situation of my country lawless and unsafe to have an excuse for you just as loving great people of the U.S. and around the world to stay longer in my country for their own interest. No one can believe that a superpower with massive military machine is really unable to defeat the Taliban, this bunch of terrorists. During these nine years, directly and indirectly, they already supported the Taliban. The Taliban already in power. Also photocopy of the Taliban, these fundamentalist warlords. Now they support Taliban mainly through um, Pakistan. I think just the loving people of the world agree with me that democracy never comes by bombing innocent civilians, supporting a corrupt government, and empowering a bunch of brutal and dark-minded warlords. The Western powers continue to impose this kind of dictatorship under the name of democracy on my people. Our people may have no option but to rise against occupation. Right now there is two kind of resistance going on in my country. One is the reactionary resistance of the Taliban that always, US and NATO, they try to make something out of a mountain, out of molehill. Another is resistance of ordinary Afghan people, resistance of student of the university, resistance of the suffer innocent people, men and women who join their hands together with the banner that they have used out of Afghanistan. Now they come on the streets despite there is no security, they raise their voice against occupation. Recently in Kunar province, 64 innocent civilians have been killed by blind bombardment of the U.S. government. We want the end of this occupation as soon as possible. I believe that the only solution to Afghanistan is that the troops should withdraw because their presence is making our fight for justice. Much harder by empowering reactionary, brutal and dark minded forces that are great obstacles for the true democratic elements. Afghan people now they squashed between three enemies. Taliban, warlords, occupation forces. With the withdrawal of occupation forces, then my people will face two enemies two internal enemies, instead of three. It will be easier for them to fight two enemies instead of three. But no question, it will not be easy to struggle. Now, my message on behalf of my people to you is this. History bears witnesses that only nations can liberate themselves.
3: Gentlemen, this is Sane Clinton. I just want to drop in real quick and say thank you for listening to this show. Whether you listen through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Plus, Player FM or any other way, I just want to say thank you.
2: Oh, yeah.
8: beat me with a stick his bible says it's right oh god how i prayed he'd stop before i died daddy punched me with his fist to make me a better man i was only four years old my hell had just began. began Hit me with his belt, he learned it from his dad. He must have known how I felt, how hating him made me sad. Daddy whipped me with a hose to teach me to be strong. I need love, not violence, when I do something
9: wrong.
8: me too hard one day my brain bounced off the floor now I don't have to be afraid he can't hurt me anymore daddy can't beat me in my grave I remain forever for I don't have to be afraid he can't hurt me anymore with a stick his Bible says it's right Oh God how I prayed he'd stop before I
9: And you say, He deserved to die today.
10: For Patriot The Patriot Citizens for Religious Freedom Act Up is down, left is right, right is wrong, and the egg is cracked. The Patriot Citizens for Religious Freedom Act Down is up, right is left, wrong is right, and your brain is hacked. when they want to make a law to restrict your liberty they'll name it just the opposite something more warm and fuzzy they think your liberty needs to be restrained so that you can be truly free doublethink starts working on your brain let's call that freedom Foxity. When they want to make a law to invade your privacy, they'll name it quite the opposite. Something, oh, so yummy. They think your secrets need to be surveilled to keep your privacy unveiled. Double think is alive and well. Let's call that patriosity. Dear Mr. Orwell, may we call you George? It took a little longer but it's 1984 when they want to make a law to impose their own belief they'll call it something different just like any common thief do you vote for wolves disguised in sheep's clothing because you think they eat the same thing you're loathing that's double think you see they call it religiosity when they want to pretend that they speak for you and me they'll do that all oh, so surreptitiously do you think they have your happiness in mind do you really think your interests are aligned that's when double think really shines they call that virtuosity Dear Mr. Orwell, may we call you George? It took a little longer, but it's 1984.
11: To the people of South Africa. People of every race and every walk of life. The world thanks you for sharing Nelson Mandela with us. His struggle was your struggle. His triumph was your triumph. Your dignity and your hope found expression in his life. And your freedom, your democracy, is his cherished legacy. It is hard to eulogize any man, to capture in words not just the facts and the dates that make a life, but the essential truth of a person, their private joys and sorrows, the quiet moments and unique qualities that illuminate someone's soul. How much harder to do so for a giant of history, who moved a nation toward justice, and in the process moved billions around the world. Born during World War I, far from the corridors of power, a boy raised herding cattle and tutored by the elders of his Tembuk tribe. Madiba would emerge as the last great liberator of the 20th century. Like Gandhi, he would lead a resistance movement, a movement that at its start had little prospect for success. Like Dr. King, he would give potent voice to the claims of the oppressed and the moral necessity of racial justice. He would endure a brutal imprisonment that began in the time of Kennedy and Khrushchev and reached the final days of the Cold War. Emerging from prison, without the force of arms, he would, like Abraham Lincoln, hold his country together when it threatened to break apart. And like America's founding fathers, he would erect a constitutional order to preserve Freedom for future generations. A commitment to democracy and rule of law. Ratified not only by his election, but by his willingness to step down from power after only one term. Given the sweep of his life the scope of his accomplishments, the adoration that he so rightly earned. It's tempting, I think, to remember Nelson Mandela as an icon, smiling and serene, detached from the tawdry affairs of lesser men. But Madiba himself strongly resisted such a lifeless portrait. Instead, Madiba insisted on sharing with us his doubts and his fears, his miscalculations along with his victories. I am not a saint, he said, unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying. It was precisely because he could admit to imperfection because he could be so full of good humor, even mischief, despite the heavy burdens that he carried, that we loved him so. He was not a bust made of marble. He was a man of flesh and blood, a son and a husband, a father and a friend. And that's why we learn so much from him, and that's why we can learn from him still. For nothing he achieved was inevitable. In the arc of his life, we see a man who earned his place in history through struggle, and shrewdness, and persistence, and faith. He tells us what is possible not just in the pages of history books, but in our own lives as well. Mandela showed us the power of action of taking risks on behalf of our ideals. Perhaps Mandela was right that he inherited a proud rebelliousness, a stubborn sense of fairness from his father. And we know he shared with millions of black and colored South Africans the anger born of a thousand slights, a thousand indignities, a thousand unremembered moments a desire to fight the system that imprisoned my people, he said. But like other early giants of the ANC, the sisulus and the Tambos, Madiba disciplined his anger and channeled his desire to fight into organization and platforms and strategies for action so men and women could stand up for their God-given dignity. Moreover, he accepted the consequences of his actions, knowing that standing up to powerful interests and injustice carries a price. I have fought against white domination, and I have fought against black domination. I cherish the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and equal opportunities. It is an ideal which I hope to live for and to achieve, but if needs be, it is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Mandela taught us the power of action, but he also taught us the power of ideas. The importance of reason and arguments. The need to study not only those who you agree with, but also those who you don't agree with. He understood that ideas cannot be contained by prison walls or extinguished by a sniper's bullet. He turned his trial into an indictment of apartheid because of his eloquence and his passion, but also because of his training as an advocate. He used decades of prison to sharpen his arguments, but also to spread his thirst for knowledge to others in the movement. And he learned the language and the customs of his oppressors, so that one day he might better convey to them how their own freedom depend upon his. Mandela just demonstrated that action and ideas are not enough. No matter how right, they must also be chiseled in the law and institutions. He was practical, testing his beliefs against the hard surface of circumstance and history. On core principles, he was unyielding which is why he could rebuff offers of unconditional release, reminding the apartheid regime that prisoners cannot enter into contracts. But as he showed in painstaking negotiations to transfer power and draft new laws, he was not afraid to compromise for the sake of a larger goal. And because he was not only a leader of a movement, but a skillful politician, The Constitution that emerged was worthy of this multiracial democracy, true to his vision of laws that protect minority as well as majority rights and the precious freedoms of every South African. And finally, Mandela understood the ties that bind the human spirit. There's a word in South Africa. Ubuntu, A word that captures Mandela's greatest gift, his recognition that we are all bound together in ways that are invisible to the eye, that there is a oneness to humanity, that we achieve ourselves by sharing ourselves with others and caring for those around us. We can never know how much of this sense was innate in him or how much was shaped in a dark and solitary cell. But we remember the gestures, large and small, introducing his jailers as honored guests at his inauguration. Taking a pitch.
9: Hey, ladies and
2: gentlemen, this is St. Quentin. We've
3: come to the end of... I
1: think... It
3: ain't...
1: Illegal... yeah.
2: We'll be back soon... With a new episode... And hopefully... This episode... Has made you think... And want to make the difference... In this world. Now go turn on for the love of poetry and spoken
1: word and think.